Gosh, that's a great question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that. Like, what is the It Factory? The It Factory is back for season two. Last season, we explored what the It Factory is, who has it, and how they got it. This season, we still seek to answer the same questions, but with a new cast of characters. We take the helmet off some of the new faces in the Conference of Champions, and some familiar faces as well. Players, coaches, and experts will explore what it is that sets them up for success on Saturdays. I'm Yogi Roth, and welcome back to The It Factory. Okay, welcome back, or welcome to The It Factory, presented by Zayo. I'm your host, Yogi Roth, and it is one of the biggest weeks in sport, especially college football. It is the early signing period, or some are just calling the regular signing day period. It's when high school recruits sign their letter of intent and their dreams become reality. So we had to bring in one of my favorite people on planet Earth to come in and talk about not only early signing period, but also give advice to those that are about to enter college, those around them in their lives, because he's done it for a long time at the highest of levels. Today's guest, Chris Peterson, former head coach at the University of Washington, Boise State. He was a one-time coach at my alma mater, the University of Pittsburgh. Coach, you now work at Fox. You give advice to all of us on many things, me specifically to being a parent, so I appreciate that. Thank you for joining us today. Awesome to be here, Yogi. I've been waiting many years to be on the IT factory and so now i'm here let's go <laughs> let's go indeed uh, you've always been on the list of people to come on because you're so thoughtful uh, so we're going to get into a lot of that but i'd have to ask washington just came off a historic season under first year coach kaylin DeBoer. you live in seattle still you're close to that program what has it been like for you watching him flip this thing after a year ago yeah, you know, it's I've gotten to know Kalen um, in the short time he's been here. Um, and I think the thing that's really cool is Kalen is a really, really good dude. That's what I think about first and foremost. Like, I think he's just good to people. I think he cares about people. Um, you know, he hasn't it's early in the job, but he's been coaching for a long time. But you know, the the job's not squeezing him yet too much. And so it's just awesome to see him, a really good dude, you know, elevate this program to where we kind of all think it can and should go. And so that's been fun to watch. The other thing for me, obviously, I know so many of those players. And it's been a hard few years like since I stepped away like that's hard on them when I stepped away you know we recruited so many of them there and then wait you're leaving and then the struggles that they had to go through the last year and another new coach and that is not easy and not fun but that's probably the most joy that I get out of watching those guys over there knowing that they probably wouldn't be where they are today without going through a lot of that hardship. Wow. That's amazing. It's a great dovetail into this week and the early signing period. Hardship is a unique word right now in college sports, right? Guys can bolt and leave and transfer whenever they want. And, and that's cool. Like coaches can do it too. Uh, but there's lessons that I think can be lost along the way. So I'd love to start there. Athletes are signing and fulfilling lifelong dreams this week. 
They're going to sign and decide they're going to go to Washington. They're going to go to Boise State. They're going to go to their dream school. When you've been around those athletes that are about to make that declaration, what's the first thing that comes to mind as they sign that piece of paper? Um, that your mindset should be that I am locked in and this is my next, my new home for the next four or five years or six, whatever it's going to take to have a game changing experience in my lifetime. And like you said, Yogi, I mean, the transfer portal, like with everything there, there is good in that there is, um, you know, guys are going to make mistakes deciding on places or things change or whatever. And so, um, but you know, in this day and age to say, Hey, I'm going to sign there. And in the back of my mind, if it doesn't work out, it's easy. I'm out. I think about all the kids that have played for us over time. I think about the Boise state days and I'm thinking, would anyone have ever really even stayed? (laughs) And I think about myself going through college. I think about kids that we coached. And I always tell kids this, it is not going to turn out like you think it is. Like you have this vision of this dream and I'm going to do all these unbelievable things and it's going to be, and I still think you can do unbelievable things. And I think it can be a game-changing, life-changing experience. It's just going to be a lot different, the journey and the path to get there. And there's going to be a lot of adversity and a lot of hardship along the way, which is going to make it so sweeter at the end of the process. It is going to change you in ways that you couldn't change for the better unless you went through these hard things. And so that's the hard thing that you're going with, because it's so easy to say, this is too hard. This is not working out. I'm going to somewhere else. And then now all of a sudden coaches are maybe going to, you know, steer people away with money and NIL. And it's like, you're going for the wrong reasons. And so it's tricky. It is very tricky. I think you really have to have a really awesome support group that's super grounded on what this experience should be moving forward. Okay, so here we sit 24-ish hours away from from signing period or signing day and and the window opening. And you lived it i've seen it where this last couple hours can be hectic it can be crazed so what would you tell a student athlete a high school player that is about to sign and he's been going down a road that he feels really comfortable on like i'm gonna go to this school i like this program i like where i fit academically i like all the things and then boom all of a sudden all these other things sweep in and are really fun and enticing and exciting. And you're going and looking over this thing. Like, how would you guide them? Of How do you get back to neutral to just make a clear decision versus one that is impacted by so many externals? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I don't really think that that is a very hard question to answer. Because at this point in the process, you know, 98% of the guys or nine are decided where they're going to go. Those that are signing early. Your decision's made. Do not second guess it. You turn your phone off or you do not answer those 
those calls, those texts, you don't even look at them. You swipe them, delete. You tell your folks, help me with this. You tell your high school coaches, help me with this. It is over and done. Because you're talking about some professional salesmen that are out there. And their job is to create doubt. And it's very easy to doubt. You know, now you're making this really biggest decision in your life type thing. And now they're going to maybe even throw money at it. And those type of things. Don't even go there. Do not go down that rabbit hole. It's over. It's done. Put a smile on your face. Enjoy this. If you start playing that game, like you said, you know, you look at your phone and that's kind of your, your phone and it's fun and it's exciting. Yogi, actually, it's not fun and exciting at that time. It's very nerve wracking. It's scary. Am I making the right decision when they're putting more and more doubts in your head? The decision's over. Leave it alone, commit, sign, go there, put a smile on your face, have a blast with it. Don't let the doubters and the naysayers get into your head. Yeah, what I've loved about your path, you have this built for life program. It's got a ton of depth to it, but one of the parts of it talks about self-esteem and having you know, the desire to make sure you build up self-esteem in athletes. I'm curious if you where you net out on this take. I think athletes have always been fragile, especially the quarterback position from seeing it at Elite 11. It's just, it's just a fragile psyche. You want to do so well. You care so much. But man, when things don't go well, like it, it can be hard at times. Now in this era of like, I can literally uh, DM you, get into your brain. I can rank you. I can rate your NIL value. Like there's so many things that I think externally are telling you what you're worth, impacting your own self-esteem like how how would you like what's your take on that and then how would you even guide a family who's doing this for the very first time yeah um you know it's very easy to fall into the trap in the arena that these kids have lived in and are going into a bigger one that you know player equals person or <laughs> really what ends up happening player is greater than person and it's never that it is always person greater than player it is so hard to separate those two things in the arena that you've been in because that's where all your love and all the reinforcement is coming from tackling guys scoring touchdowns throwing this oh there he is he's now got followers he's a celebrity because of what he does and it is so easy to lose sight of that and so you know you mentioned the word self-esteem so much of our self-esteem and who we are is tied into what we do and how successful we are and now we're getting reinforced for that going through this next process and as parents as teachers as coaches as mentors if there's like one message that we have to keep banging on these guys, it's person greater than like as hard as you work on your craft of being this great football player. If you could spend half the time <laughs> thinking about and working on being this really great person, this great dude. And I know it sounds so cliche, but it's like we need to keep those two things separate. We must, 
because this is actually going to help you in your journey because when it gets rocky and you hit a pitfall you're not going to go to the pitfall if it's like you're still secure in who you are and how you are hey what you're doing right now isn't going as well but i'll get out of this but if it's all tied in to this like who i am well, and my game's in the tank right now because all of our game eventually does go in the tank. Like, that's just the progression. Then, like, who I am as a person. And so it's like it's a double whammy. Yeah. Now now I don't feel good as a person and I don't feel good as a player. And it's like, no, that's not it. And I will tell you, like, I know it's easy for me to sit here not being, not coaching and not being a player because I felt that as a coach. Your identity can get, like, I think most coaches, they'd be lying to you. I think 95%, 98% of, hey, who we are as a coach, our record is tied in to who we are as a person. And so if we could just reinforce that for all of us, man, I think we'd be a lot happier and healthier. So years ago, I was on Nike's campus for the Elite 11, and I'll never forget it. I was talking to a mom of a quarterback. And the quarterback ended up going to the ACC, not playing, play a little bit, ended up transferring. And I'm sitting with his mom, and she looks at her son, who's a good athlete, good passer. He wasn't Trevor Lawrence. You know, he was a good player. And she looks at him, she goes, my baby's going to get us to the league. And, she's, and it wasn't my baby or the league that stuck out to me. It was us to the league. Look, my kids, my oldest is seven, right? I don't have a 17-year-old that's got an amazing hose and can just deal. So I am not living from experiences. But for my 20 years at the Elite 11 or so and seeing a lot of families like that where it's us, it it kind of gives me like, uh, I don't know. You've recruited families and parents and, and you've been in this. And I think it's really hard for a parent to disassociate from us as the player. What would your advice be is it to disassociate? Do you think that they should live in the similar plane of the athletic path of their child? Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start on this, Yogi. <laughs> it's just such a complicated, important topic. You know, how do you simplify it in this short time we have? But I mean, my first thought is you have to, it's not us first and foremost. It is not us. <laughs> this is your child's deal. Let him go so he can grow. I mean, that's what I think about. And then you're there just to support him. But that's a tricky word. What does that support look like? Yeah. And so that's the problem. Like I have met so many good people that in my opinion, in this arena that their son is in, really don't turn into be the greatest parents because they are too enmeshed and involved in this thing. And I get it a hundred percent. And Yogi, you do too, even though you have young, young kids, there's nothing more important to us than seeing our kid be happy, successful, those type of things. And there's nothing more important to us. And it's so hard for us to not live vicariously through, Oh, that's my boy. And so I get how hard that is. And so one of the most inspiring things in life to me is a great set of parents or parent that can disassociate this thing. Like, hey, this is his thing. 
He loves it. I want to support him. But I just want him to be, you know, enjoying this process and get everything out that he can get. And knowing that enjoying this process means he's not going to enjoy every minute of it. There is a lot of things that he's going to go through that are going to be hard, that he's going to second guess himself, that he's going to second guess, should I be here? Should I leave? And my job as a parent is to reassure him he's doing the right things. And, you know, you got to go through hard things to get good things. And, you know, those type of like life messages. I mean, that's my opening statement to that. Yeah, I, I, I flash back immediately. I remember being a freshman at Pitt in Sutherland Hall. I don't know if you remember that dormitory when you were back in the University of Pittsburgh back in the day. Uh, but training camp, I remember at night looking up to the ceiling being like, I don't think I'm going to make it. Like, I, I got to go. I'm going to I got to go home. And there isn't a freshman that I've talked to in the history of my career that hasn't had a thought like that. Now you have a thought like that after these young men sign. Some may already you know be enrolling in a matter of weeks or so, uh, but they're going to have that. And, it, and it's really easy to dip. As, as we started off the show. But what what do you think coaches could or should be saying to the players? Because back in the day, I remember Pat Rule, this famous offensive line coach. Guys would come into SC and he'd say, I don't give a rip about who you are as a recruit anymore. You're a stinking freshman and da-da-da-da-da. And it would kind of like take them off their pedestal. Now, like, I wonder if, like, how coaches can manage that. And then also for players, like, can you just accept the fact that it's going to be hard? Yeah. Or do you just want it to be okay, everything's been easy for me because I've always been the best player. And I will tell you what, like sometimes I worry about these kids that have been the best players for a long time. I call it the too much too soon syndrome that they really have not had to grind through it like some other kids have. That, you know, they're still like all the guys recruiting end up being kind of the best players but some of these kids weren't always the best players or had some adversity and injuries. And, you know, they weren't like three-year starters and they really did well, like the last year and a half of their seat, like that kind of intrigues me more than anything. The other thing is, is I think coaches do such a disservice to the families and to the kids when they don't paint the picture of what this is going to look like when you come here. Yeah. This is going to probably be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Probably. I know some of these kids have been through some really hard things. So I don't want to, you know, I mean, some real important hard things. This is still just sports, but this sporting thing, it's going to be the hardest thing that you've ever done in your life, this whole process. Because I go back to my, it's not going to go like you think it's, go, you know, like we have these dreams. If your dreams are, I'm going to go through these really hard things and it's going to question myself and test me and I'm going to hang in there and I'm going to become something way different than I even thought I could be. And I'm going to achieve these goals at the end of my process. That's a really cool dream, yeah. but I don't really think people have that dream, but that's what the, that's what the dream looks like. Okay. So we know it's going to be hard, right? We know mom and dad need to disassociate. Uh, I've become a big fan of this phrase that I learned from our friend, Dr. Michael Gervais, where it was front-loading mental skills. So if I know it's going to be hard, 
Okay, I've accepted that. I know that I've got these amazing goals, probably leading with the NFL. Hopefully, somewhere near the top of that list is getting a degree as well. What can I do now? Like, how can I prepare myself? Because I want to ask you about one of your favorite uh, idioms is E plus R equals O, right? Event plus response equals outcome. Uh, I, I want you to, I want to get there eventually, but, but I do think there's something of like, how can I prepare myself for something that's hard? So I'm not just reactionary. The minute I get benched or I'm not uh, on the too deep, which is going to happen, or I'm not getting a sweet NIL deal, or maybe I am, but I'm not playing. I don't know how to manage that. Like, how can I give myself some tools to walk in, in an advantageous situation versus on my heels the whole time? Yeah. And I, I, I think that's a great place to start from the, the old E plus R equals O phrase event plus the response equals the outcome. And the only thing in life that we truly control is our response to things. Yeah. And so, you know, these really high achievers, really type A personalities, <laughs> you know, used to, you know, getting their way and really thinking we control things. The only thing we control is our attitude, our effort, our response to the things that come our way. That's it. Okay. So I'm too deep right now. Or I'm going through something like, what do I, what can I do? I can only control my attitude in my effort. And those two things right there, starting with my attitude or my mental, you know, my mental, processes let me just focus on that the positive like okay how do i maximize my situation like am i working hard enough because usually what happens when things don't go our well our way and we get punched in the stomach basically or hit in the mouth what do we do we back off we start to second guess things what you need to do is work harder is study more is be a little more patient with the process is stop comparing yourself to Johnny next to me. I'm he's starting and I think I'm better than him. Yeah. I've already been down that path. I lived that as a player myself. My life in early in my career was so miserable. I can't tell you how much this has helped me with players because I know what they're going through. Like you're always thinking I'm better than him. Oh, what's the coach thinking about him? Oh, he just completed that pass. Oh, he just threw an interception. Oh, too bad. But really deep down inside, I'm glad. That has nothing to do about nothing. Like that is, it just really doesn't. It's like, it's just about you getting to your, closest you can get to your potential. And if you can get there and maximize your skills, it's going to be good enough. 99% of the time, it's going to work out for you if you focus that way and you just worry about yourself. But in the world that we're in with comparison, 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 that's how we're raised. Good luck to you. Unless you got some people around you really educating you on this. I was talking to a quarterback um, who is at a premier school in the Big Ten. And he goes, since I was a sophomore in high school, I've been talking to a high performance psychologist. And I just love that because if somebody said that 10 years ago, even five years ago, it'd be, you're talking to a psychologist. And now it's like, hey, you're, you're giving yourself some tools. So like, I, I think now, like we're, we're, I don't think we're fully there yet on like the mental health side of, hey, let, let's look at that like we look at the weight room, like we look at the film room. 
but but I think that's something that I feel like, at least in in our league out here in the pack, like schools are leaning really into that a ton. Like, have you felt that as you've been around a bunch of different schools, and, and have you felt the impact of that, uh, or do you feel like there's still a long ways to go there? Yeah, I, I and you're talking about the mental skills part of things and the sports yeah. psychologists and all that. Oh, 100 percent. I think that I think that's where you know a lot of teams are headed. Like you said, even some high school kids are on this. Um, but I think we have a long ways to go. Yeah. Like I think that's gonna be really the difference maker. You know, like everybody has a lot of really good strength coaches. Like we spend so much time lifting weights and running wind sprints and throwing and catching the ball and bending and all that, like tremendous amount of hours. And so in terms of moving the needle and separating ourselves, and it's really about the mental side of the game. But like, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole of like separating ourselves. And now we become this like better player. That's part of it. But I think what we do when we go there is we become a healthier player. Like, let's not forget, we're playing this game and sports because we liked it at one time for the love of the game. And you all of a sudden, it's very easy for the love of the game to get taken away here because of a lot of different reasons that we're hitting on of comparison, of social media, of NIL, of the expectations of winning, of the expectations of being a starting player right now. All that stuff takes love and joy away from the game. And what are we doing here? So when you know all those things are actually taking it away, let's reverse engineer this and how do we go about building the tools like you're saying? And that's what I think these sports psychologists can be so helpful at. Yeah, this, the last summer, as, as you know, I wrote this book called Five Star QB, and something that blew my mind in the research and the data and the interviews I did were young parents, so let's just call them junior high to early high school, they're saying, all right, how do I navigate this space? And NIL, to your previous point, it is a thing. So now parents are caught up, I believe, and I definitely think athletes are, of when you go and sit in front of any of these NIL companies. I don't want to name them all. We all know who they are. They say to you the following, and I've heard it. I've been in the room. You got to grow your numbers, grow your numbers, your social media numbers. Okay, cool. Because if you can go to on3.com, one of the recruiting websites, and it would say Chris Peterson's recruiting profile and his NIL valuation. And based on the followers you have, your valuation grows, right? You get paid this much per post, whether it's on any of the social media platforms. I feel as though the parents and the players are really conflicted now of, okay, I get like, it can be the old rat poison, right? The Sabinism on social media, but there's like a business for me to grow here as well. And if I get these certain numbers up, I can get paid a certain amount. Why wouldn't I grow that? Why wouldn't I do that? And that scared the daylights out of me when I heard it. I'm talking from fifth grade on to sophomores in high school, let alone guys that are already being recruited. And, and I feel for the players because I think like you're, you're tough. Like you want to leverage your skill. You want to get paid. But man, you, you might not recognize like it could be a dark side or are you managing it well? So when you hear that or if you were in a head coaching position now and you saw this phenom eighth grader and you're like, you got a chance. 
but all this other stuff's happening around him that I reference. What what would you say? Mm. I always, you know, it's interesting. I, I I really start to, you know, I shake my head and I'm thinking, God bless you, because you got a lot of hard things coming your way. And you have no idea how hard this process is going to get for you and your family. Yogi, I worried about that, you know, offering kids too early even. I knew as soon as like a kid would play his freshman year and you could just tell like physically they're just different than everybody else. And I just like hesitated so hard to offer this kid early because I knew if we were one of the first guys to offer him, like let's just say in the Seattle area, we offered them how much their life was going to change and not for the better. They think it's for the better early on. Now, all of a sudden, they got all this attention. Now, here come the offers pouring in. And they're not even a finished product. You're just projecting how this is going to go. And so now this arena has, you know, it's just a real corrupting um, kind of feeling of the next couple years of your high school career for not only the kid, but the families that are just telling them how great their kid is and the, here's what they can do. And here's the money they can make. And the kid's just trying to be a high school kid and enjoy that. And so now how do I even, and so it's hard because, but what I do think is I think some of this NIL money, I think, you know, the big money, we're talking a really small percentage of the kids right now. So most don't even go there on this NIL. Don't be making decisions on NIL. I know there's some kids that are talking big money and that's going to factor in. I think 98% or not, you're in a different. So let's just talk about choosing a good place where you think you can maximize you know, where you can do your best work, you know, where the philosophy of the coaching staff and the program and the school and the academics and the location all line up to what you're about. And let's put all that stuff on the back burner, but you're going to be fighting society because all you're going to do is be hearing about this your whole entire high school career, especially if you're one of those kind of gifted guys early. One thing that I find tremendously amazing is that the same percentage of college players are getting drafted, less than 3%. But a dramatic percentage of college players are transferring. We just came off of uh, Portal Palooza, I think is what a lot of people were calling it, yeah. when guys were hopping in. What would you say to players that are playing? Because what surprised me is like a lot of starters are and have transferred. You know, it's it's kind of you got recruited once and now you're getting recruited again. And I don't like it's easy to say like the grass isn't always greener and I, I don't want us to be like the get off my lawn crew here, but I want to just give an insight to the players that maybe have played a couple years at a school and, and every situation is different, but I feel as though there's a dramatic sense of everybody is over there. Let me go take a peek. Let me go. See, oh, 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 you're going there. Let me go see. Cause I saw it work out for call it Jordan Addison, Caleb. Like there's like, there's again, that, that percentage where it killed it for him. We're seeing so many guys bail. And what I'm worried about, Coach, is that same less than 3% are getting drafted. And I think the percentage of not graduating is going to grow. And I think like graduating isn't even like a thought anymore for some of these players. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. So we're now all of a sudden different down a different lane what this thing should be all about. I, I will just say this. I really believe this. You know, in 30 plus years of coaching, you know, a 
a coach doesn't want a kid to stay with them in their program if they don't believe that sooner than later this player can play for them and help them win yeah you don't want that per like if it and sometimes we miss like you're not this level of player you want that guy to go somewhere where they can play that's the majority by far the majority of coaches i know yeah so I do think you should trust your coach a little bit that if they really want you to stay, it's because they believe this can work out for you. Like we've seen, you know, so many guys before you, it just takes a little more time than you think it's going to. And if you can't play here, I really don't want you to stay here because I want you to play. We get college football as a really finite window. The second thing I'll say off that is when you look at the transfer portal numbers, like how many kids are stuck and left in there, you hear about all these Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison's, you know, those guys can go play anywhere. So it's, we're talking about the two percenters, the three percenters. So let's not even talk about the kids that get stuck in the portal, which are about, you know, over a thousand. (laughs) Let's talk about the kids that go in and go somewhere else. The majority of those kids, their situation is the same or worse in the research that I have done. I look at them and I'm like, that's the same role they had at the place that they left. Or actually, that's less playing time than what they would have had coming had they stayed. I see that over and over. But we see these other marquee guys that could really go anywhere and they're rare, they're rare players, rare college players. And then everybody equates that's me and that's not you. And it's just like an illusion that you're looking at that you think it's about the majority and it's not. Yeah. I'm not saying guys shouldn't transfer because sometimes things change and it's just like this was a wrong decision. But the majority of times <laughs> from what I've seen, you need to grow, you know, you need to it's just not a simple thing that you, it's just not going to go like, Oh, and here's, and this is great. And I remember we had this, let's talk about Jake Browning. Cause I know you wanted to talk about him. Jake Browning comes to Washington, the leading path. I think he still is in the history of California throwing touchdowns, the leading touchdown <laughs> high school passing champion in the state of California, most touchdowns ever. Someone might've broken. I don't know the way they're throwing these balls. Comes up, graduates early, uh, spring ball. I mean, and this guy is prepared now, like no high school kid I've seen. Comes from Troy Taylor. So he's as prepared as any high school kid in the country. Starts his freshman year. Get done. And this kid worked so hard. And I mean, it was amazing, his professionalism, how many hours he put on top of just normal stuff. I remember asking him after his first year what'd you think and I think I just asked him that question what'd you think he goes man was that a lot harder and a lot different than I thought it was going to be and this is the most prepared high school kid that I probably saw coming out and it was just like it was so hard I mean it was so hard on he did great but he's a true freshman and he's starting and it was like the hardest thing he ever had to go through yeah. Hard, man. Okay, so let's let's finish up on that thought around going to play in college 
is hard, whether you go from high school to D3 or to the Pac-12. It, it's a challenge, as you just referenced, Jake Browning, and beautiful illustration of that. But hard can be fun. Like, there's a ton of joy in that. So for these players that have just made this decision or those that are in recruiting 2.0, like thinking about leaving or going to a new school, what would you tell them about, you know, making sure that wonder switch, that wonderment is still there for the game? If they had to go back to like one thought when it gets really hard to keep them with a smile on their face, playing a game that they fell in love with as a child. I mean, I think that's really it right there, Yogi, right? It sounds so basic and so cliche-ish, but like, you know, you weren't doing it for social media. You weren't doing it for NIL money. You weren't doing it for even a scholarship. Yeah. You were doing it for the love of the, you know, of being with your guys, of working hard, of pushing yourself, of developing these unbelievable relationships. I mean, it's all that corny stuff. It really is that all this other stuff that is, you know, not bad stuff, NLIs, not bad. I mean, if I can get a little extra money, um, awesome. If I can, you know, you know, if people are into like watching us play and compete and going into these 70,000 seat stadiums and loving our game. Awesome. Um, if I got a chance to chase my goal and go to the NFL, awesome but when all that becomes the priority and the focus which it does there's going to be a problem with that you're going to struggle yeah i love i love that insight um we could talk for hours on this subject it, it, it's an amazing week um i want to thank you for coming and i want to finish up with our final five questions here before we get you out of here so first thought first reaction question number one What's the best advice that Chris Peterson has ever received? Yeah, okay. I need like three days to <laughs> think about that question and probably these questions you're going to ask me because really what probably is, I've received so much good advice along the way that I have really not paid attention to. think I got the answers and then go through all these hard things. And then look back and, you know, and I'd be complaining, why, why didn't somebody tell me this? And actually people did tell me this. I just thought, I got this. <laughs> I got this figured out. But with that being said, I would say, you know, one of the things is, is probably like, like be patient. Like in, in the coaching world. So I'm not even going to the high school kids because it's the same thing we're talking about. One of the things that probably helped me the most is I stayed put a long time at a lot of places when I could have transferred almost every year and did not. Because, you know, and for more money and all those type of things. And people are like, why wouldn't you go? Like, you know what? Because I'm really kind of enjoying where I'm at. Like, I'm really focused on my process here. And so the people that had advised me to like, happy, stay happy. Focus on the process. Like, time will come when it's time to move on. But like, that patience word, you know, and in, in our day-to-day -day interactions or our long-term goals. Like, it's a balance of really striving and achieving and I need to be patient. Yeah. 
Yeah, what a great, what a great reminder. Um, I would always wonder, like, how come he didn't take that job? Why didn't Chris Peterson take it? We didn't even know each other. But to hear that, I think, is great advice for anybody. Um, okay, what's the worst advice you've ever received? Again, I'd have to think about that, but probably what we're talking about, you need to take that job. I yeah. see so many coaches run off to a job for really at the end of the day, a little bit more money, like after taxes, it's not changing your life. It's not life-changing money. I, 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 la I say, I call it happy meal money. You know, at the end of the day, you buy a new car, you get a little bit better. How, like what? That's not going to change your happiness. And so that's it. Like the worst is like, you need to, you need to go, you need to get in that arena. Like you need to take that next job. It's like, why? Why? For the, for the wrong reasons, yes. And so I've looked at that and I've seen the coaches that are patient, that stay put at certain places, that are doing really good work. Like you're going to have a, you know, even taking a head coaching job. I see guys run off the head coach and I'm like, why would you go there? Or you're not really ready. Like we're never going to be ready. But like I see some of these guys getting hired for these jobs and I'm like, oh my gosh. You sure? Yeah. Patience. Yeah. I think that's amazing for players as well. Of You should transfer here. They'll love you up here. And I think it's a great reminder for those parents and players listening. Like, just take a beat here before you make a decision. Yo, I want to throw out just one cliche. Like, I just have to. Like, you referenced it, that grass is always, isn't always greener thing. I mean, I know it's like probably the number one cliche out there. The grass is greener where you water and fertilize it. Like, okay, that's one of those things I wasn't hearing back in the day, not listening to good advice. Because it's like, you know, one of my great pieces of advice would be like, pick out like five cliches in life. I don't care what they are. Pick out five and just live those cliches. Like have intentional Inter, like everyday thought process with those and try to bring them to life and your life will change for the better 1000% guaranteed. Yeah. But that's it. Like, it's like, it's not the other place. It's like invest in where you are for some time. I love that. Okay. So question number three, you've had some time away from the sidelines. What's something that maybe has surprised you about what, and how you view the game of college football now? Um, the thing that has surprised me is all the things that we're talking about, how the arena has gotten more difficult to navigate these important things we're talking about, not better. Like there's no real like guidelines and I say leadership in the sport right now to make it better for the players and the coaches. That's what I think that has surprised me. It's like, what are we doing? It's a balance of everything, right? Like NIL is not a bad thing. NIL with no like rules, regulations, no guardrails. <laughs> that is a bad thing. That's not going to help people in the big picture, it's not going to be for the greater, it might help that one person, but for the greater good of the sport and people without, without like 
this is how we're going to play this game, it's not better. As you reference off the top, the title of the show is The It Factory. Everybody has an it factor. The great performers that you've seen, is there a commonality? Is there a red thread that you define as their it factor? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think I think the guys that are, you know, it's really what we're talking about. I think they are so committed mm. to their craft. Like, I think of some of the great players that really we had at Boise State that went on to the NFL. I think of some of the great players that we and, and didn't even go to the NFL. Let me let me back up on that. There were really good, great college players that had a wonderful career at the end of the process. Yeah. How committed they were to just like working, uh, relationships, invested in this school at this place and took ownership of like the stuff going on that wasn't right for them. They were going to work harder. And, and I think about Buddha Baker and, you know, Vita Vea and Jake Browning and I could go on and on. Yeah. But how committed they were to the craft of just improving of the, of all the things I just spoke about. Like there is just, that's the it. Yeah. They're not second guessing. They're not thinking around. Is this going to work out for me? Are we going to be okay when we're when we're seven and six the year before we go to the college football playoffs? Those guys weren't second guessing that. They're like, we are all in and we're doubling down. Love that. All right. So you've had so many amazing fo football experiences, life experiences. Is a big question, but I'd love you to take a run at it. How would you? answer and complete the following statement it all comes down to mm. <laughs> yeah i i think it all comes down i don't know gosh there's a bunch of different ways i could go on that but right now in this five second window i have to answer i'm going to say relationships yeah you know i just think it's about relationships and caring for others it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's not about just all this achieving and reaching our goals. It's about that while building these lifelong bonds. You know, I think there's a way to get success relatively quickly. And I think you can run over people and ruin relationships and you can get results faster. And I just think at the end of the day, people are going to come back to regret that. I know when I've done that on little things and some big things that is like, that's not how I wanted that to go in this relationship. I think it's about like working together and striving together and building like these lifelong bonds while really doing hard work and navigating um, hard things in life together and supporting each other. Like that's what it's all about. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, it has been such a joy to have our relationship. I, I remember the first day I met you when you got the job at UW and we did a sit down interview in the stadium and in, in some fancy club. It was great. Um, we talked about culture. And then now I'm calling you like, hey, help me out with my, with my kid and his, <laughs> and, his, and, his, and, his, and his Pop Warner coach. Um, but thank you, coach, on, on so many fronts. Um, I know everybody wants to know, are you going to coach again? Uh, you want to answer that one real fast before we leave? signing anything in the next i do i feel like i'm coaching every day you know yeah. this is i think my i think my uh 
platforms change a little bit. Like maybe I'm not into the locker rooms coaching, but I'm working with coaches and, and other guys uh, and, and leaders. And I, and I love that. Like, I think all the hard lessons that I've learned and got kicked in the mouth, you know, and punched in the stomach. Like if I can share some of that and just maybe be a guide on the side and help them navigate these really tricky waters, yeah. that brings a lot of joy to me. Yeah, well, you've coached me on, on every front. So I appreciate that. Thank you for the time, coach. We got to get you on again, maybe before the season, because I just want to talk about leadership. Right, that you are dialed in on that. I think so many people will get a ton of content out of that. So we'll see if we can make that happen prior to the 2023 season, which will be here before we know it, Coach. So thank you for coming. Love you, Yog, and I love the work that you do and what you're all about because that's why I enjoy talking to you. We're we're we're, we're uh, you know it's <laughs> this crazy world we live in. We're just trying to like maybe make a little bit of a difference for somebody. Just a little bit, yeah, just just a little bit. Thank you. There it is. Coach Chris Peterson, coaching people, coaching coaches, thankfully coaching me and my kids. He doesn't even know it, but everything he says, I'm basically regurgitating to them. So with that, make sure you subscribe to this, share it with a friend. If you want to watch it, just go to pack-12.com slash insider. We drop every Tuesday night and what a Tuesday night it will be the night before signing day this week. Stay safe, happy near holidays. And once again, big thanks to Chris Peterson for sharing some time with us. Peace. It's the Afterglow, Chris Peterson episode. TJ, you're taking notes the whole time. Yes, sir. Well, what were your takeaways? We could have talked to him for hours. You know, um, what's the one thing that you wish that we did ask? Honestly, I don't know if there's one thing I wish you asked. You guys covered so much stuff, and that was such a such an amazing conversation. It's funny beforehand when him and I and you were all kind of chatting before you guys got going. You you kind of threw me under the bus a little bit and telling him like, oh, yeah. oh, by the way, he's our Oregon Duck. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm going to rep it. But also like, dang, give me a chance to talk to the guy. But <laughs> it was funny is that like the joke of like, obviously the Oregon-Washington rivalry and stuff like that. But like, I've never actually got a chance to to talk to Coach Peterson. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, dang, this guy's really cool. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I can't, I can't dislike him. Like he was, he was amazing, but I mean, there was so much there. Um, I think actually one of the things that stood out to me was when he was, it was a comment that you made when you were talking about the, the mom from, from the camp about getting us to the league. And one thing I want to hear your take on, on this is I feel like like you're ab you guys are absolutely right. It's not an us, but the funny part is that when you're getting recruited, it kind of isn't us. Like the family gets recruited at times where like the, the coach is talking to the parents, like I'm going to take care of your kids, stuff like that. So I feel like it almost feels like an us. And then, and the parents kind of sometimes have to take a step back and realize like, okay, we're entrusting our, our, our child with you, but it's his decision. It's his journey. Like it's not an us, it's a him. They're just kind of trying to make us feel better. But what do you think about the kind of difference between us getting recruited and then us being on the journey? I think it's hard. You know, it's, I, have a, I have a lot of empathy for recruits as, as we reference in the dialogue around NIL recruiting us. The, the, it's, it's a hard space to navigate. It's why I wrote the book five star mm -hmm. QB because there's no way you can Google how to be the parent of a recruit. 
Yeah. Like it just doesn't exist. Like you have to kind of figure it out. You're asking questions. Maybe you're getting good advice. Maybe you're getting bad advice. Like who knows? But you got to just trust your instinct. Mm -hmm. I, I net out here. And I believe this is a parenting uh, axiom, which is I am not responsible for you. I am responsible to you. Right. So I'm not responsible mm -hmm. for your actions. Okay. I'm not responsible for your decision to go to Oregon. I'm responsible to you to make sure that you've got a pros and cons list for Oregon, mm -hmm. for Washington, for Stanford, for Oregon State. Like I'm responsible to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is extremely blurred yeah. pretty regularly in recruiting. You know, I, I had a chance prior to the last game of the season that I broadcast on the Pac-12 Networks um, at the bar restaurant. Uh, the night before the game, I met Dalton Kincaid's father, Clark. Dalton, as we know, has been on this show. And it was amazing to talk to him. And he's like, we're just kind of riding the high of the journey. Like, just kind of enjoying it. We don't know what's next. Like, there wasn't like a dramatic plan. Mm -hmm. And now some parents have a plan. And some of them work, right? Caleb Williams has a, had, had a plan since he was a teenager of how this thing would shake out. But at the end of the day, the disassociation of, I am not responsible for the decision you make. You are. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible to you and helping you and preparing you to make that appropriate call What in what should be three, four, five, six years of your life. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think I think that's a great point. There was, there was so much in your guys' conversation I was taking away. Like I, I was sitting there, I, I mentioned to you guys after, I wish I'd heard this conversation about seven years ago when I went, when I was looking at colleges, just to kind of, you get, get that um, kind of the mindset. One thing, a couple of things also stood out one. And I forgot to talk about this in the afterglow with our Britton Covey episode. I believe it was Britton Covey who said this, but he was talking about how the NFL is such a business. And the one thing that was really interesting or that I kind of thought about there was how when you're in high school, people talk about college is such a business. And then you, and then you get there and you, and you kind of realize that, or you realize it's, it's more of a business than high school. And then you get to, to college and everyone's like the NFL, like every level, it just grows and people kind of tend to not hear that or, or, or focus on that too much now with like NIL and stuff. Or when I was uh, getting recruited, one of my coaches would tell me that. And when I, when I went back to, to high school or when I went back, at, like after my freshman year, we were talking and I was saying how different it was kind of like what coach Pete said, like, it's not what you expect was, I believe his quote was, it's not going to turn out like you think it is, which I thought was just an amazing quote, because no matter if you think it's going to be or whatever you think the journey is going to be different. But the thing that he said that my coach said to me was like, did you listen to nothing that I told you when, when you were getting recruited? Because I told you all these things. And I was like, well, apparently I didn't hear anything, but I thought that part was so interesting. And the grass is greener where you water and fertilize it. I loved that because, and coach made a really good point of being like, sometimes transferring or sometimes all, all this movement is good. Like it, it, it does fit, but sometimes just working or, or just kind of focusing on you and not focusing on NIL and the external factors is, is what you should do. And just getting his whole mindset around all of this, I thought was just absolutely interesting. Yeah. It's, fr it's front loading the plan, front loaded the experience. So then when it happens, mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, I knew it was going to happen Yeah, and you're not knee jerking. And, and to me, one of the coolest things I, that I took away from it was that if you're a college athlete now, go talk to your coach. If you're thinking about dipping 
and they're going to tell you if you can play or not. Don't just bolt for a lateral move or don't just bolt for more NIL money, right? Like mm -hmm. similar conversation to the coaching conversation. Like it, unless it's life changing, it probably isn't, right? If, you know, unless you're one of those two, three percent type players, which we, he referenced and we all know who they are, right? Caleb Williams is clearly one of them. Mm -hmm. Take a pause and go talk to the staff and be like, hey, man, like, where do I net out? Because being like the third receiver at one school and then the third receiver at another school, like unless that school is dramatically more competitive than the one that you're at and you're like, I want to go play for a natty and I think that I will versus where I came from. I don't think it's a great move because you, you're, you're bailing on your whole community. Like my biggest fear in transferring is that people go and transfer for a six month period before their career ending or them dipping into the NFL. Mm -hmm. And then they don't have a school to lean on, right? I should have asked Coach Peterson about that. Like, okay, I, I was a very average player, if that. But I can go back to the University of Pittsburgh and the city of Pittsburgh, and, and, I, and I feel really connected to that place. Mm -hmm. If I needed something, if I needed to lean into alumni, you probably feel the same thing in Oregon. Mm -hmm. So unless you are that elite player, and even if you are, your NFL career, I hope it's a Hall of Fame career. But it may not be. It may be a five to seven year career. The average, I think, is two and a half, maybe three. Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll make a little bit of coin. But you got a whole life ahead of you. And what I worry about all these transferring, especially when the lateral moves that I referenced, TJ, is that what what donor base, what alumni base is going to lean back? You did six months at a school. Are you, are you really part of that school? Or are you just part of that team? Mm -hmm. You know, if you dip on a school after two, three years, are you still a part of that thing? Like, that is something that I believe gets totally lost in the portal palooza. And the player will not recognize that until they're in their 30s and they're done playing. And they're like, okay, I need a gig. Who am I calling? And I don't know if both of those schools will pick up the first time you call. Yeah, that's true. So, that's, that's, very, that's very true. That's our rant. We, uh, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate signing day. Make sure you um, watch that on the Pac-12 Networks. We'll simulcast it on SiriusXM. You can also listen to these shows at times on SiriusXM, which we appreciate our partnership with them as well. Um, and then it's Christmas. Then it's the holidays. So TJ, Merry Christmas. Hope your tree is amazing. Welcome to LA. Go to a light show. I go surfing every Christmas morning. Maybe you can meet me there at the Venice Pier. If you're in LA, come meet me and my family. We'll be in the water. Uh, but it's hard to believe that here we are at the end of the year, man.